Hello and welcome to Horatio and the Story of the Manor, a podcast by Andrew Davis. Episode 26, The Place. Suddenly, Ella's senses were awash with feelings she'd almost given up hope of ever experiencing again. How long she'd sat in that penetrating, all-encompassing blackness, she didn't know. Now, the problem wasn't lack of sensation, but rather being overwhelmed by so many sensations that it made her feel vulnerable. Where there had been blackness and only the sound of her heartbeat and a pulse of something she really didn't want to think about, now there was light, noise, smells. A gentle breeze caressed her body and slowly she became aware of others in the place where she sat. Of course, having been isolated from people for such a long time, Ella's assumption was that these people couldn't see her. One of them caught her interest, moving slowly around and pouring cups of tea. With the light being so intense, Ella took a moment to realise who it was. It was Rosebury. But this was no ordinary Rosebury. This was the Rosebury she'd seen on that night so long ago. Beautiful, filled with light and busying herself with something so ordinary and mundane and yet so wonderful to watch after her time imprisoned in the darkness. Rosebury finished pouring tea into three cups and some on a saucer. Then, as Ella watched, Rosebury picked up one of the cups, turned and walked towards her. Ella was so convinced she couldn't be seen that she actually looked over her shoulder to see who Rosebury was taking it to. There was no one behind her. Rosebury stopped right in front of Ella, staring into the lost girl's eyes. Ella gazed back, unable to stem the tears that started to stream down her face. Rosebury bent forward, holding out the cup to the crying girl, who looked so young as she sat there with her arms wrapped around her legs. Ella didn't move, so Rosebury crouched down by her side, the cup of tea still in her hands. Ella, my love, it's wonderful to see you again. I've missed you so very much. There was so much love in Rosebury's voice that her tears flowed even faster and she began to sob quietly. Still unable to move, Ella felt something warm and wet on the back of her arm. Turning to look, A beautiful border terrier forced his face between her arms, unwrapping them from around her legs as he demanded love and attention. Despite herself, Ella started to laugh and scratched his ears whilst trying to avoid the worst of the licking. Then, looking up at Rosebury, who was still crouching and holding the teacup, the expression on Ella's face asked, "'What's happening?' The older woman put the cup down and flopped onto her bottom beside Ella to give her a hug, Meanwhile, a young man, not much more than the boy, stood nearby looking unsure what to do. When Ella stopped stroking the dog, he rushed over to the young man who seemed to know exactly how to fuss over a dog. In fact, he seemed a little relieved to have something to do. After a long hug with Rosebury, Ella eventually pulled herself together enough to ask, "'How do you know me?' Rosebury smiled, but didn't answer immediately. Instead, she gave Ella a quizzical look. Ella suddenly remembered. Grandma! she exclaimed. Then once again they threw their arms around each other, sobbing and laughing all at once. The young man concentrated on spoiling the dog. 
The place they were in wasn't a real place, as they discovered when, after a little while, Thornton walked through and yet didn't see or notice them. Then a few more people came and went, busy doing chores. However, the people who came after Thornton all seemed less tangible than Thornton, more ghostly, and yet obviously not ghosts. It was Rosebury who was the one to be surprised this time. Oh, so that's where they are? Ella looked at her grandma inquiringly. Rosebury smiled and replied, It's the servants, love. You see, I knew they had to be somewhere, as every day the whole manor gets reset. All the cleaning's done and the beds get made. Well, it's the servants, you see. She was waving her hand at a couple of ghostly figures who were passing through the place in front of them. They're still here, doing what they always do, but somehow trapped by whatever it is that's holding us here. Oh, Grandma, Ella exclaimed. I I think I met it, or, or something to do with it, just before I came to this place. The young man stopped fussing over the dog and looked at Ella properly for the first time. They didn't need introductions, as he now understood that this young lady was Rosebury's granddaughter. Not only that, but Ella and Rosebury both knew, without having to be told, that he was the Baron. But as he really was, not as he seemed in rot, grot and snot. Oh, and everyone knew that the beautiful little Border Terrier running around demanding attention from everyone was Horatio Fleming McNaughty, the real Horatio, and not as the enchantment made him in rot, grot and snot. It was strange being in the place and seeing people as they really were. The Baron was remarkably ordinary, although he did still have a shortened leg and club foot. There wasn't any sign of a hunch, though. And Horatio was a good-looking dog. His lower jaw remained longer than his upper jaw, and he'd probably never be a show dog, but he was still gorgeous. Rosebury, too, was similar to the Rosebury she saw in the manor, although this Rosebury understood things that were hidden from the Rosebury outside this place. This place was revealing them for who they really were, and not as the enchantment normally made them appear. Getting up to go and get the tea for the Baron and herself, and the source of her Horatio, Rosebury asked Ella, "'Tell us what happened before you came to this place.' As Ella started to speak, the Baron made his way over to the two of them, a little taken aback by how Rosebury shone so beautifully. Horatio trotted behind, realising that there was something tasty coming his way. Once the saucer touched the ground, he immediately got down to polishing off his milky treat. Then, as they talked, he made sure he was in the middle of the little group, almost knocking over the teacups in his excitement. "'I didn't actually see anything,' Ella explained. "'You see, wherever it was, there was no light. It was total blackness.' But I could feel it, something present in the blackness, biding its time, waiting. It was so dark and silent that I could hear the blood pumping through my ears. But then I heard another heartbeat, and I knew that whatever it was, was there, waiting and hating. But it was as I started to come out of that place, and the darkness started to break, that I heard it sigh. Turning to Horatio, who was getting fussed over by Rosebury, she asked, "'Was it you, Horatio? Did you set me free? I thought I would stay there forever, but something broke that bond and let in light.' Then she looked properly for the first time at the Baron. "'What did he do?' The Baron didn't answer, but turned a little redder than before. 
Ella had intended to wait for a reply, but then she remembered something else and hurried on instead, looking at Rosebury and occasionally glancing towards the Baron. "'It knew my name,' she added quickly, looking scared, "'because it said to me, "'Be sure, Ella Beck, that your sins will find you out.' "'What does that mean, Grandma?' she asked Rosebury, anxiously. To everyone's surprise, including the Baron himself, it was the Baron who answered. "'Ella,' he began, and then, obviously feeling very awkward, he panicked. Glancing left and right, breathing rapidly, and breaking out in a cold sweat, he thrust out his hand. "'I'm the Baron,' he said, as if no one knew. "'Yes, I know,' replied Ella, not bothering to take his hand, which made the Baron feel even more awkward. And then she added, "'I know you very well indeed, even if you don't look quite the same here. It's just that you, well, no one, not even you, Grandma,' she said, turning to the older woman, "'seemed to be able to see me.' Then she looked at the Baron and asked, "'But what were you going to say?' As Ella had explained how she'd been in the manor for a long time and knew the Baron very well, the poor lad had glowed redder and redder. He was obviously concerned about what she'd seen and what she knew of him. If he'd known that for most of the time Ella had gone out of her way to avoid him, he might have felt a little more comfortable.' but that would have to wait. Well, the Baron stuttered, still reeling from Ella's revelation. There's a darkness in the manor. I know it's there. In fact, I think one of the reasons why all the shadows in the manor won't stay attached to anything for very long is that this darkness wants to break things up. It seems intent on destroying everything, corroding what's real and replacing it with what it wants us to believe. I don't think it really has any power over us, he continued, except when we let it. When we let anger, lies, hate and rage in and don't try to stop them, then the darkness gets stronger. I don't know if this darkness is the same thing that caused all the enchantment in Rot, Grot and Snot in the first place. In fact, I think that's probably something else. But this darkness loves to play on our fears and prejudices. And when it does, it overpowers us so that we can't see the truth any more. The Baron had been thinking out loud and suddenly realised that what he'd said might seem a little insulting to this innocent-looking young lady, so he quickly added, oh, uh, Of course, I might well be wrong. I'm not accusing you of any of those things. It's just, well, I see it in the villages, the hatred and the way it kind of takes hold of people, and they get twisted and lost. Ella didn't feel like answering the Baron. She could remember her petty, unreasoning hatred of him. She could still feel the weight of it on her chest as if it were a real thing. She remembered with shame how she'd allowed it to take control of her, almost to the point of disaster for the people of Grot. No, Ella didn't want to say anything, so instead she watched the servants moving through the place and the whirlwinds raging around the edges, having no effect on the people who passed through, but still powerful and somehow angry. The Baron took Ella's silence to indicate that he'd insulted her and went back to sipping his tea. After that, it was a little awkward, broken only by little yaps from Horatio as he played between the three of them. Ella continued to look away as she struggled with all she'd done. People were seen for who they really were in this place, and that made her feel uncomfortable, she was convinced that both the Baron and Rosebury could see the nasty person she was inside. So, as this was a place for honesty, 
she decided it was time to be honest and talk about her own failures, about her rage, hatred and unreasonable resentment. Taking a deep breath, Ella nodded to herself and began. I've got to be honest with you, she started. And then she saw the raging wall of wind move and exclaimed, It's getting closer! Both Rosebury and the Baron looked a little confused as to what she was talking about, but at the sound of alarm in her voice, Horatio leapt up, took one look at the wall of wind and barked. As he did so, the other two looked as well, quickly understanding what she meant. All sides are moving in, the Baron yelled. He had to raise his voice to be heard above the noise of the wind, which had begun to intrude on the place. The wall of wind was moving closer, forcing them towards the centre of the place and away from the roaring winds. Rosebury, however, didn't move. Instead, she smiled at Ella, the Baron and Horatio, and started walking towards the wall. Ella almost screamed at her, Grandma, what are you doing? For a moment, Rosebury stopped and looked back lovingly at her granddaughter. Even then, they noticed just how brightly Rosebury seemed to shine and even shimmer. Ella, she said, you can't stay here. None of us can. It's a place we've been allowed to come to in order to see the truth a little more clearly than we usually do. So remember what you've seen. Don't trust your eyes and especially don't trust those feelings that rise up inside and want to... Rosebury paused, the wall of wind almost at her back. Well, you know, Ella. Then, turning to the Baron, she added, You both know. So, most important of all, don't let the lies win. Remember the truth and hold on to it, come what may. At that, the winds enveloped Rosebury, causing her hair to dance but utterly failing to remove the look of love from her face. Then, she was gone. The wall of wind was approaching very quickly, and while Ella and the Baron moved towards the centre of the place, Horatio, after his initial bark, didn't seem to be bothered by it. For a moment later, something caught his eye, and he ran through the winds and was gone. Eventually, Ella and the Baron were standing back to back, shoulder touching shoulder. Without realising what they were doing, they reached out to take hold of each other's hands. No sooner had they grasped each other's hands than the winds arrived, lashing, thrashing, twisting and twirling, but none of it as painful as they'd expected. It was then that Ella remembered. All this had happened because the Baron thought she was the problem, and now she hadn't told them about the rampant salami. So, shouting loudly, she began, It wasn't me! You got it wrong! It was the... But she didn't finish her sentence. The place had begun to fade, and as it did, the winds evaporated, and she found herself standing alone in the lounge where Horatio had destroyed the attic vacuum cleaner. Spinning on her heels, she searched the room, but no one was there. Everything looked clean and tidy. As she realised this, she couldn't help thinking of those poor servants who had passed through the place and were locked up in the enchantment, forever tidying and cleaning. Had they already straightened up the room? Where were Rosebury, Horatio and the Baron? Ella's heart thumped loudly again, but this time there was no other heart pounding nearby. In fact, for a while she couldn't hear anything until, after a moment or two, she became aware of some noises. No, voices. She could hear voices. Starting to run, Ella raced towards the voices. As she ran, 
She clipped a door. If she now had her real body, it should have knocked her over. Instead, she passed right through it without it having any effect. She stopped, turned around and waved her hand through the door and the nearest walls. Despair overtaking her. If she could still run through doors and walls, then nothing had changed. Everything she'd gone through had been for nothing. Had it even happened, or had she just imagined it? If she could go through doors and walls, then she wasn't her real self anymore. She was a ghost again, locked in with her loneliness, unable to interact with anyone. She could still hear the voices and was tempted to walk away, but just as she was about to turn around, she felt as if someone or something was watching her. Feeling uneasy and not quite sure what to do, she scanned the hallway she was in. At first, she couldn't see anyone until she heard a slight chewing noise high up above her. Pirouetting on the spot, she spun to face the chewing sound and saw eyes staring down at her. These eyes weren't staring through her or near her, but at her. From high up on the wall above, the eyes were following her without comment. But they could see her. Stokesley could see her. And if he could see her... So instead of walking away, she continued to the kitchen. As she came to the door, she saw figures walking about and talking. When she saw them, bitterness erupted inside her. It wasn't fair. It had been hard enough to be alone for all this time, but now to have seen them and be seen by them, to have hugged her grandma, to have stroked the dog, and a slight blush came over her face as she thought about holding hands with the Baron. Had it all been taken away again? The stupid moosehead could see her, but that wasn't being seen in any way that mattered. The pain inside was almost unbearable, and as she started to rage at the situation, the voice from the darkness seemed to echo back to her from inside. Be sure that your sins will find you out, it sneered. Yet somehow it didn't have the power it had had inside that dark place, as another voice also swirled around in her head. It was the Baron's voice, Archie's voice, saying, The darkness loves to play on our fears and prejudices, and when it does, it overpowers us, so that we can't see the truth anymore. Then she realised she had to fight it, to fight the resentment, fight the fear, and not allow herself to be subject to the darkness. Ella was stationary now, controlling her breathing and trying to silence the resentment that was building up inside her. But how was she to do it? All she could think of was to remember the truth. She had a memory, a precious memory, the memory of her grandma's face filled with love. It was all Ella could do to hold on to that memory as she walked with no great urgency into the kitchen. Entering through the open door, she saw Horatio bolting down some kind of gunky mess of a meal, which, although disgusting to look at, he was clearly enjoying. Archie and Thornton were sitting at the table while Rosebury hovered around the attic water boiler. She was wearing thick rubber gloves and all eyes except Horatio's were looking nervously in her direction. So this was to be it then. With them, but not part of them. Forever watching from the sidelines. She felt so sad, but the memory had helped. The resentment had faded and the darkness had lost some of its power. 
And although deeply unhappy about the situation, Ella found herself enjoying being with them all. That said, she grimaced a little when she thought about holding Archie's hands, especially as she looked at him now. He really was a horrible-looking young man. Then again, she remembered that what she was seeing wasn't the real Baron. This was the enchantment, and the real Baron, the real Archie, was very different to what she saw now. As she thought this, her insides shifted somehow, and she knew that the darkness didn't like it when she remembered the truth. So she made a note in her own mind, always remember the truth. Rosebury was just about to pour boiling water from the old attic boiler into the teapot. She loathed the ancient boiler with every part of her being, yet the effect it had had on the invading gargoyles, which hadn't caused any significant problems since, couldn't be denied, so she was going to stick with it. Putting on some safety goggles, she reached forward to pull the handle that released the flow of water. Both Thornton and the Baron leant away from the boiler as it made a horrendous noise, complaining bitterly at being asked to give up some of its precious contents. Then it hissed as copious amounts of steam escaped and a small trickle of water dribbled into the teapot. Rosebury, with safety goggles steamed up, proceeded to swoosh the water repeatedly around the teapot to warm it up ready for the tea. Ella watched, trying to keep her sadness in check. How she wished she could be part of this. But then, before the darkness had a moment to reassert itself, she remembered, and it settled again. Rosebury's voice snapped her out of her reflection. Are you going to stand there all day, or are you going to make yourself useful and pass the tea? Of course, Ella didn't move. Rosebury couldn't be talking to her because she could still walk through walls and doors. She was invisible and unseen. Then she noticed Horatio, Archie and Thornton all looking in her direction. It was almost as if they could see her. Rosebury yanked off her protective goggles, put them on the side and turned towards Ella, her rubber-clad hands on her hips. Well, young lady, she asked. As if in a daze, with her eyes and mouth open slightly too wide, Ella walked over to the tea caddy. She reached for it, expecting her hand to pass straight through it, so that, rather than grabbing hold of the tin, she hit it hard, knocking it clean across the kitchen towards Thornton. He rather deftly grabbed it in mid-air and passed it to Rosebury, who took it, shaking her head. "'Well, I can see you're not going to be any help today,' she said. Then she added, "'Sit down, sit down, I'll make the tea.' Ella didn't move until Rosebury paused and stared directly at her, causing Ella to wilt and do what she was told. Thornton and the Baron nodded to her as she pulled her chair in. Horatio, having finished his meal, wandered over and wiped his mouth on her trousers. It was then that Ella started to howl. But it was a good howl. Thanks for listening to Horatio and the Story of the Manor, a Tale to Tell media production. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. You can do this on the app you're listening through or head over to iTunes and leave it there. A five-star review helps other people find the show. For social media links, support the show, or to get in touch, visit the website, Horatio.one. Until next time, I'm Andrew Davis. <laughs>